What's up, you guys? Week number 14 of the Chazway Podcast, and I'm here joined by my funny friend. That's right, a funny friend, David Scott. It's Mr. Showtime. He's out of Las Vegas, Nevada, and I'm telling you, this is going to be one of the, the, the funnest podcasts that I've probably ever done, and um, I'm really excited about it. So this guy, like I said, he's out of Vegas. I found him uh, at a comedy show, Looney Bin in Oklahoma City. Uh, and you just found you just, you just sort of found me wandering around outside, yeah. just like, Yeah, I found him and I, I was like, Hey, come in with me, join me for the show, it'll be a blast. Uh, no, he was the headliner at this show, and I'm gonna tell you, uh, and, and, and you can get all get into it, but I want to edify you real quick before you start uh talking about who you are. But I want to tell you that you are you are an absolute amazing entertainer, and I mean that from from sincerely the bottom of my heart. I, I'm entertainment's been in my blood my whole life, I've, I've managed bands, I've been a DJ. Um, I, I love entertainment. I, I pay very close attention to entertainment and you are an absolute showman, hence the name Mr. Showtime, you know, but I want to give you absolute props. You, you are a great showman. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. It's, uh, it's, it's always wonderful to hear that it's, it's cool. It's, it's, it means that whatever I'm doing is finally it's, it's translating to uh the folks as you had no idea who i was when you came to the show and i did not you just, you, you just kind of walked in going oh let's go to the comedy club mm-hmm. and um so the fact that what i do is translating to you know being entertaining being energetic putting on a show mm-hmm. uh that that's awesome that's great to hear it means, yeah, it means I'm, sure. doing, I mean, I'm doing something right <laughs> yeah absolutely and and i don't want to i definitely don't want to give the show away because i think it's important that as you know you're all over the country and i want people to see you but i will tell you something funny and then and then we'll get into a proper introduction but um so when we got to the show um so we get there's two there's two shows a night at this particular venue and so i'm with anna who's my girlfriend and when we get dropped off we took an uber and we get dropped off and we hear music going on inside. And so she's never been like, she, she just moved from Minnesota here last year. So she's never been to the loony bin before and she didn't know what to expect. And so as we're pulling up and you can hear the, what's going on inside. And the first thing she says, she's like, they've got karaoke. <laughs> and I'm like, no, that's not karaoke. Mind you, I knew nothing about your show. I didn't know there was music. So Anna and I, very briefly, I'll tell you, like we met through music. She and I sing, we, we have a, a we sing on, um, we have a social media platform. Like it's crazy. We have met through music. We cool. love music. We also think it's fun to karaoke. So the fact that we, uh, I had no idea I was going to a show that would include so much music. And so to hear what, what, what happened was we were literally pulling in as you were wrapping up your previous show and hearing the music going on where, and she's like, Oh, it's karaoke. I'm like, no, it actually, it's not karaoke. I don't know what we're in for, you know? (laughs) And so it was so cool that it was such a musically, uh, such so full of music and and it was awesome. So guys, this is David Scott. Again, they call him Mr. Showtime. I want you to check him out on all the social media. I will plug the heck out of it. It'll be in the description below when this is over. So I definitely want you to give him a follow. Um, and if you can go see him live somewhere, he's all over the country, definitely go do that as well. Um, but David, why don't you just kind of introduce yourself and talk a little bit about who you are, where you're from, maybe some of your history, uh, and what you've got going on, man. So take it away. Uh, well, um, Let's see. My, I, I guess if, if we're going to start at the very, very beginning, my dad was a Broadway performer okay. and uh, I grew up in a Broadway kind of environment. So um, the first time I was on stage, I was five years old, uh, 1975, hmm. which if you break down, that's the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000, 2010. 
2020. That means I've been doing this for six decades. Sure. Yeah. I've, six I've, radical styles of yeah, entertainment, yeah. if you will. Yeah. Um, I've been doing this for a very long time. I've been this April 1st of just, just a couple days ago uh, was the kickoff of my 29th year as a full-time professional entertainer, which is, and, and I, I preface that by saying that when I say full-time, I mean, this is all that I do. I don't do anything else. I don't, uh, I'm not, I'm not working a call center. I'm not doing remote jobs. I'm not, uh, this is, I've done this and nothing but this for 29 years mm-hmm. and uh, it's awesome. It's great. I was a big fan of this guy, Steve Martin. Mm-hmm. And I was 13 years old when I saw him for the very first time. And I said to myself, you can juggle, make balloon animals, put an arrow through your head, and then play the banjo and be considered a comedian. Well, that's what I want to do. Yeah. And uh, I moved away from the, uh, the Broadway uh, acting type of thing and started focusing on comedy. And over the years, as I have matured and gotten older, I weaved the Broadway lifestyle and entertainment back into my show. Cause I do have a degree in theater. Okay. So I decided, oh, I want to stand out. I want to do something that no one else is doing. I want, I want to have a show that nobody else can say, oh, I saw something like that, or I saw something similar to that. So I started taking all the elements of my dad's influence, my Steve Martin influence, my love of just making people laugh. And I created this character um, that I did for 15 years called the Midnight Swinger. And it was essentially the, the beginning stages of opening up the people who are used to only one kind of comedy style to different styles. You know, people had gotten used to, I think he's the greatest comedian ever, Jerry Seinfeld. They've gotten used to those kind of monology, storytelling, you know, observational, like what's the deal uh, kind of comedy. And I wanted to expand on that because it seemed like when I was growing up there were three kinds of comics you had observational storytellers like Jerry Seinfeld you had crazy prop comic like a Gallagher or a Carrot Top and then you had guitar acts you know guys who just play guitar and I go there's so much more to comedy than just those three things sure so i created this show and it was it was hard there was a there was there was an active pushback by the comedy community of what i was doing because i wasn't a headliner at the time i was still just like a an mc i was a feature act i was doing guest sets and i'm coming in and doing these shows in front of comics after me that are not like me Mm -hmm. and there was an active pushback you know, some people even saying that I'm not a real comedian, you know, uh, what I'm doing is, you know, it's, it's, it's clownish. 
whatever. Uh, but I never, ever called myself a stand-up comic. I never misled anybody. I never said I was a stand-up comedian. I still don't consider myself a stand-up comedian. I consider myself a showman and an entertainer. Mm -hmm. And so I fought very hard for a number of years until, um, and this is, it's, it's a crazy, it's a crazy because it was a horrible situation. But after 9-11, uh, all the comedy clubs, they didn't know how to reopen. They didn't know how to get back into doing shows again. And I uh, was offered a headlining gig at uh, the Improv in Cleveland, Ohio. And I came in, never been there before, did my show, which is not political, not current events. It's all about escapism. It's all about having fun. And all of a sudden, all the doors opened up for me. So, wow. you know, so it's, it's, it, it's, it's, and that's a, that's a, that's a 29 year story encapsulated into about five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Hey, just out of curiosity, when you talk about that character that you did for 15 years and you, and you said, what did you call it? Um, thus, the, mid, midnight the Midnight Swinger. swinger. Yeah. Okay, cool. So what, when you talk about that style, you know, maybe it was called clownish, it wasn't stand up, et cetera, et cetera. What, give me an idea, like an example of what style of comedy was that? I want to know why maybe you would have received pushback. What, what was the style? Well, um, I had a big, I, I kind of have, I kind of brought it back. But I used to have this big pompadour. Oh, hang on. I'll give you an example. Hang on. Okay. That was the midnight swinger. Okay. Uh, loud, loud, yellow, green, purple, red suits humongous pompadour always wearing sunglasses like this um very uh, so very big and loud very big very loud so very do you feel out, like today's out, version of you is like a middle of the road because i still think i mean i know like no it's no once that role that once that character the minute I, I, i'm what's called a character comedian um that means that it's like like i said it's like going to a play going to broadway it's like going to see a show like going to see blue man group these guys aren't dressed in blue makeup all day long. Mm -hmm. They embody the character when they're on stage. That's what I do. I've created a character. And um, the character now, Mr. Showtime, is actually probably 20, 30 times bigger than the Midnight Swinger. Because what the Midnight Swinger, I, kinda, I sort of painted myself into a corner and I couldn't do the most, the more outrageous things that I wanted to do. Okay. Um, so I had to basically drop the whole Midnight Swinger persona, which I'd been for, you know, 13, 14 years. And clubs had gotten used to it. And I said, I'm no longer Midnight Swinger, I'm Mr. Showtime. And I had to basically reintroduce myself as Mr. Showtime with even a bigger show, a more outrageous show that allows me to go in any direction I want to go into. Like, I, I don't, I don't mind uh, giving parts of the show away. Like the final part of my show is this fantasy rock concert that I put on um, where I do uh, 50, about, I do like what, 14 songs in like 15 and a half minutes. And I try to sound and move like the performer, that be it Michael Jackson, Billy Idol, uh, Bruce Springsteen, uh, 
I try to sound, look, and move as best I can, like they would at a live concert. But what makes this ending so crazier and so much fun is that as I am performing, there is a voice telling you rock concert tradition number one, wave your hands in the air. You know, uh, so the audience is being given instructions on what to do to make the experience even bigger, even um, more exciting. And that's, I could not have done that as a midnight swinger. Sure. I had to do that. So um, yeah, it, it's the idea of what I do is all stems from just one goal. And that is that people leave my show happy. Mm. That's that I, I I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel. I'm not mm. trying to I'm not trying to run for public office. I, I'm not trying to tell you how to think or how to feel. I, I I have people from every spectrum of society come to my show, and I want them all to leave at the exact same time smiling and saying damn that was fun yeah regardless of what happens before or after but for those 90 minutes that i'm on stage they're like that was fun that was a good time i want to see him again i want to bring my friends to see him again well and i would say i i want to sorry did i cut you off okay i i would say for me of course music is my world so for me like i could have you could have done you could have done the music montage for another 30 minutes and I'd have been in heaven, right? Because that's what I <laughs> that's my jam. But I will say for me, you left me wanting more, which to me is the ultimate way to entertain in yeah. any in any aspect, comedy, uh, anything. I mean, anything. I feel like when you can leave somebody wanting more, that's the ultimate goal. Um, and that's what you did, I believe, for me. The other thing that I thought you did that you do, which is awesome, is I think that no matter what generation you are in the audience, which um, I think in comedy, you are going to get a wide spectrum, which you mentioned. Um, I think you play to all of those parts because, I mean, if you think about the montage, just the artists that you mentioned, you know, Billy, uh, Billy Idol, um, you know, Michael Jackson, those kind of guys, a lot of the quote unquote older artists, they may not necessarily play into the younger generation, but because you kind of go full circle with it. And then also, you know, you know, you, there's some things that you do in your show that, pertain very much to the younger very youthful like y2k gen z generation i think you just tie into everything i want to ask you about that real quick so in the show you you did um you did some some like you you did some um you did some mentions of like tiktok type stuff yeah. tiktok boy right is that in your show all the time or is that oh, yeah. you improv that in is that that's always in it? It, it it it's what it's what's called planned improv okay which is I know what I'm going to say. The audience thinks it is off the cuff. Sure. Like you, you're just going to, you're, you're just wait. You just identify once you get on stage, you identify somebody you're going to use for that, that bit. Uh, yes. Uh, what I do is before the show, I try to find between five and 10 people that could theoretically be that kind of person perfect um like i i do um i did i do it did i do the air guitar bit yeah you did uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah so the air guitar bit's another bit that i couldn't that's the, the air guitar bit involves me uh teaching a woman how to play the air guitar well i've got to pick out three or four women 
before the show. And then as the show is going on, I'm watching them to see, are they laughing? Are they having a good time? Are they, you know, so I can get the right person because it's gotcha. a very, so you're very, kind of vetting them in real time. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Interesting. Yeah. I yeah. never would have guessed. Yeah. When you'd be surprised when I'm on stage, I'm, I'm, I'm not what that's called. I'm not what's called in the moment because I am thinking it's like chess. I'm thinking two or three moves ahead. You know, I, I know how my show goes. It's it, my show, believe it or not, is scripted out like a Broadway play. There's act one, act two, and act three. Okay. Um, now at the Looney bid, um, I did not do my normal 75 minute show. I think I only did like 50 minutes at the Looney bin because okay. that's what they, that's what they want. They don't want the full show, which is fine. Um, like there's a straight jacket routine that I do in my show. Uh, the closer, the air guitar. I believe I did the world's most dangerous bit in comedy, which is the shoving the mark, the sing with marshmallows in my mouth. Yes. yes. Um, and if you're a fan of music, that should just horrify you in every set of the word uh, <laughs> because I um, I have fun with Michael McDonald and the Doobie Brothers, which is actually a very, very funny story. Um, I, was, I was in St. Louis performing at a casino and Michael McDonald is from St. Louis and his brother was in the audience when I did that bit and he's well known. And he actually came backstage after my show had his brother on speakerphone wow. going, I, I just met a guy who sounds more like you than you do. <laughs> so, that, that is which, awesome. Which is, which is a cool moment. Which is a yeah. cool well, moment. I actually wondered when I, when, I, when I saw the bit, I wondered if you had any, um, any tire connection to him because you nail it. You like, you nailed it, you know? And that's, <laughs> not only would it not be easy to do, but particularly in the circumstance that, was, that you were doing, it was certainly not easy to do. So that's cool. That's cool that you got to kind of sort of have an interaction there. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, so, that, so again, these are the things that I'm a lot, I can do because I'm a character. I can explore different avenues of entertainment that would not be traditional comedy mm -hmm. uh, tropes, you know, not like the, you know, hey, I was flying on a plane and the, the waitress or the stewardess or the person next to me, or I, I was driving down the road or, you know, I, I don't have to do, I don't have to, I don't have to do the normal you know, set up punchline segue, set up punchline segue routine. I can I can go into all sorts of different tangents, which allows me to do the world's most interesting comedy. It allows me to do the air guitar. It allows me to do a straight jacket routine. It allows me to do the big finale. It allows me to dress in a way that when I walk on stage, you know, this is the main guy. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I'm not going to be confused for, a patron. I'm not going to be confused for the valet. I'm like, when I walk in, they go, that's the guy we're seeing. Yeah. And, and, I, and, and no, no offense to any other role, but you're also not going to be confused for the opener or the feature. I mean, exactly. straight up like you, yeah. in fact, I'm going to assume you do this intentionally, but because entertainment is a huge part of my life, I also noticed that you, again, I'm going to assume it was intentional, but like when you, cause I saw you off. So I saw you between sets. So you came back like to the merch table before we got to go in for for that second show uh we we're in the lobby and i noticed that you were like just in a t-shirt 
I didn't see you on the first show because I was in the outs in the lobby, right? So mm-hmm. um, when I saw you, you're in a t-shirt and you're just, you know, you're out there, um, you know, meeting fans and and selling merch. So when I see my first introduction to you as Mr. Showtime, you were in, dressed to the nines as this is the headliner. This is the show, right? Because back in fully dressed as that, as the character. And maybe that I, I'm assuming it's intentional. Maybe you were hot and you oh, yeah. took your jacket off, but I oh, assume no, no, that's very intentional. Yeah. That's, that's a true entertainer. You know, I love that. So, um, so many questions, but one thing I think is awesome is I feel like that gives you freedom. It's to me, it sounds like you have a lot of freedom in that, but is it the opposite? Do are you actually so scripted that you don't have a lot of freedom because you stay right to your script? Oh, no, no. I've got tons of freedom okay. to do whatever I want, but the core of the show is scripted. I know how the show begins. I know how it ends. Okay. Um, uh, there are no surprises. I know exactly how long I've been on stage. I know exactly what I can do. I, I consider myself a professional first and foremost. Sure. And when you're asked to do a 75-minute show, you don't do 50 minutes. You also don't do 90 minutes. You do 70 minutes. So if I'm on stage and something happens in improv moments, something unexpected, um, I know that I'm going to have to cut something out, move something around. Because again, in my head, I am always thinking, where do we go to get to the ending of the show? Because the ending of the show is like the finale of a 4th of July fireworks display because you go to a fireworks display and you get boom, ah, ooh, ah, but the end is just like, so I know my ending is like the fireworks of finale, uh, but I've got to get people there. Mm-hmm. I've got to build them up to where when I get to the ending, they're like, crazed and like thrilled and you know they're standing up they're applauding they're cheering they're singing along they're dancing uh which is what i want which is the goal absolutely so if something happens on stage and i end up improving something i end up doing something i will have to cut out the straitjacket bit or i'll have to cut out or shorten uh a routine or shorten a bit which is just what you do as an entertainer because yeah and you've done it so long that you're able to just do that on the fly do you feel like oh, yeah. you do that i mean nobody would ever obviously the like the guest <clears throat> the audience would never know does it does that come pretty natural to you just the adjust and adapt in real time my there was a movie called heartbreak ridge came out in the 80s um not a great movie but it had one amazing line adapt and improvise oh and i have lived my entire life with that motto, adapt and improvise. That's great. And uh, if you can just move, you you, you kind of want to move like water and just be able to, because I perform, like I was in, I was in Little Rock, Arkansas. And then I was in Washington, DC. These are two different crowds. I, I know it's going to be shocking to the people watching and listening that the Little Rock crowd and the DC crowd nowhere close to the same right but i'm still doing my show as mr showtime so i have to be very aware that i might have to adapt Mm. and improvise to where i am 
and the situation where I am telling jokes, sometimes I got to slow down. Sometimes I've got to speed up. Uh, sometimes I got to be a little bit more energetic. Sometimes I got to reel it back. So you've got to be able to adapt and yeah, improvise. Absolutely. I love that. And I, and the word adapt is, is a really powerful word. I, I, it's a word I feel like I've used a lot in the last year or so, because I think it's important to not only adapt, but also to, 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 um, to acknowledge other people that adapt because that that's a key thing in growth and entrepreneurship. I think it's an, I think it's important to adapt in life. Um, you know, it's kind of like picking your battle. Sometimes you just need to look at what's, what's ahead, what's important and how do you, how do you move through it? Well, you adapt, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's awesome. And uh, improvise obviously is huge, but it also, um, just goes hand in hand with what, what you do, you know? So <clears throat> that's very cool. So the, you did the, um, missed the, um, help me out again, the midnight, midnight, swinger. midnight swinger. swinger. You did that character for just right out about 15 years. And then you moved into Mr. Showtime. How long ago was that transition? Let's see. Uh, Mr. Showtime has now been what about six years. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I um, I'm trying, I'm trying to think it's, tw it's 2022 COVID and the two years off is kind of like messed things up. I would say I started Mr. Showtime around 2000. Right, I, right around 2017 is when I started creating this character. Okay. And to create a character after being another character, it means I had to deconstruct the Midnight Swinger. Because um, I didn't want to bring any of that Midnight Swinger character over into the Mr. Showtime. I didn't want there to be any confusion of what I was doing. Okay. So to do that, you've got to break down everything that you have built up. I have branded myself. I had, I, I was branded as the midnight swinger, you know, and I had to deconstruct it, break it down to nothing and then rebuild a new character. Mm. Um, and that, that's harder than it sounds. You know, I, I see a lot of, I look at someone like um, Prince, the performer Prince, the entertainer Prince, who was constantly reinventing himself, um, constantly reinventing the way that he performed classic songs that you knew by heart. Mm. He was changing. And some people loved it and some people hated it. Some people wanted to hear the, the Purple Rain, Prince and the Revolution. Some people loved liked new power generation. Some people loved, you know, um, the third eye uh, version, you know, the, the, all the, the different versions of Prince. But at the end of the day, he created this tapestry where you go to a Prince show, you're not really sure what you're gonna get, but you're gonna be entertained. So I had to deconstruct what was already, a, I, I'm not trying to brag, brag a very popular show. The Midnight Swinger show was very, I was headlining every club in the country, but I had known that I'd gone as far as I could go and I'd hit the ceiling and I wasn't going any further. Mm -hmm. And the one thing I am in this business, I'm very self-aware and I know that I had hit this ceiling. I know that I, I'd hit this point. So I was about 45 years old and I'm like, I'm 45 years old and I've hit the ceiling and I'm not done yet. I, 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 don't want to keep on regurgitating 
this Midnight Swinger character and the crowds get smaller and smaller, the venues get smaller and smaller. I go, no, I, that's not what I want to do. So I broke it down. I pissed off a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of clubs, a lot of venues were like, oh, no, we want that guy. And then I had to convince them to bring me back in as Mr. Showtime. And all they had to do was see me once. All they had to do was see me one time. And they're like going, okay, this is better. Yeah, and it is, it is a better show. I, I love the Midnight Swinger. I'll always love the Midnight Swinger. But Mr. Showtime is straight up just a better show mm -hmm. from beginning, middle and end. It's more rounded. It's deeper. It's more fleshed out. It's more fun. And that's all I want to do. It's so much more fun. That's wonderful. That's awesome. So um, you live in Vegas. Where are you from? New York, okay. Queens. Gotcha. Awesome. I hear it in your voice. Uh, yeah. How long have you been in Vegas? 90 since uh, what? 98. Okay. Did you move to Vegas for, for business no. or just, okay. Why did no, you I, I, I lived in LA before I moved to Vegas. Okay. Yeah. Did I, I tried for I, business. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I moved to LA for comedy. You know, gotcha. I, 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 uh, I graduated college and three days after I graduated college, I was performing in Las Vegas a place called the last stop. This is a, this is a fun little story. Um, I drove across to, um, to California to a place called Upland, California. And I drove uh, past a comic book called The Last Stop. And it was like 9.30 in the morning. I just walked in. And there was a woman there, go, are you, here? are you here for the contest? And I'm like, sure. So I signed up. Wow. First person signed up. I got, and they go, okay, just be back here uh, 7.30 tonight, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, okay. I had no idea that this contest that I'd signed up for at 9.30 in the morning was a contest to become the house MC for the last, no idea. It turns out like they only had 15 spots and the first 15 people that signed up were on the show. And there was 50, 60 people trying to get there. And I just had to be driving by. Nothing happens no on me. accident. No one knew me. So I walk in at, at seven uh, and I say, I'm I, I, at that time, I was just David Scott, David Scott. Signed up for the contest. Like, okay, blah blah blah. Didn't know anybody. No, everybody looked at me like, who the who the hell, who the hell is this guy? Yeah. And uh, I'm like, I don't know what this is. I I just thought it was an open mic. I thought it was just an open mic. It was a Tuesday, you know. I was like, it's an open mic. Meet the owner. His name is Adam Berenson. Tells everybody the contest. I go, oh my god, this is for the house MC gig. It's like, okay, that that's okay. The audience was going to judge the the contest. They had one of those applause meters, you know. Yeah. And we all drew numbers, fifteen people, and they go, "Okay, uh, in order, uh, David, you sign up first. You you get a pick first. Pick pick number six, which is like the greatest number to pick, because the audience is not quite warmed up, and then they're not quite burned out. Okay. So you want to be four five you want to be four five six or five six seven you want to be right there in the sweet spot okay you know and there and i picked six and you heard the other comics go oh my god you heard the you heard the groan because i didn't know yeah. these, i didn't i didn't know anybody i wasn't friends with anybody and Aaron Barron goes who are you and i go i just drove in today i was just driving by i'm a i graduated from the university of missouri um 
three days ago and I just drove here and I was just trying to get he's like he's like he doesn't like, go that's crazy he goes are you funny I go I guess we're gonna find out aren't we he goes I guess we are go up six crush it crush it because I've got a theater and background what, what year is this this is 93 so you're new to comedy I'm new to comedy I've I've been doing comedy in and around I saw my first time I'm sure I was 16 okay um, and I'd done comedy in Little Bang, but I've never done it at a comedy. I, I, I did catch a rising star, but as just like a guest set, as okay. you know. Um, but you're definitely new to, to LA comedy. I'm, I'm, like, I'm new to LA comedy. I had no okay. idea the clickiness of it. Yeah. Well, I go up there, I crush, I crush it. All the comics come on stage. They go, they go every comic, and it's not even close. They were going to do the top three, and then they go, you know, and then everybody else. I won and it wasn't even, I mean, they go, you know, we're not even going to do a top three. Our new house MC is, is David Scott and 14 comics were f- just, they never spoke to me again. Wow. And even after six months, they still did like, cause I, cause I was doing what I was trained to do perform. Yeah. So I won that, I won that contest and had six months of on the job learning. And what makes my story so unique is that, when you're in LA, you're fighting for stage time. You're fighting for three minutes here, five minutes there, whatever. I had, this is back in the 90s when comedy in LA was hot. We were doing 12 shows a week. And I was the house MC. I was doing five to six minutes, 12 times a week. Wow. For six months. I never had to do the open mics. I never had to do guest sets. I didn't do any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. I had this opportunity. Mm-hmm. I was waiter during the day, stand-up comedy at night. After six months, I made friends with some of the comedians. They brought me as their opening acts. So I went from house MC to touring comedian in less than a year. And I was really, really good, not trying to brag, but I was really good. Within 18 months, I'm headlining. Wow. And that's the story. I never had to play this game of begging for work, trying nice. to claw my way up. I got very lucky, but I, I, I've, I've always said I got very, very lucky, but friends always say, no, you're just very, very good. You know, yeah. your, your talent came through. So, well, and you, and you utilize the talent, you know, I mean, you obviously, you knew you were good. Well, I mean, you, maybe you didn't know you were good, but you, you used, <clears throat> you used the talent you had and, and then you, you capitalized on it. You know, some people have talent and they don't, they don't capitalize on it. You know, some people you have talent, they sit on the couch. Yeah, that that's true. I mean, you've got to, you've got to hustle in almost any, if you want to succeed in any form of life, you've got to hustle, mm-hmm. especially when you're trying to cut your own path, be your own boss, have your own company, have your own business. You're not, you're not following a blueprint that was set up by somebody else. You are cutting your own path mm-hmm. and you've got to hustle and, and it, I believe it was harder then than it is now. And I know that that's probably because, oh, old man, oh, oh, the past is always harder. But we didn't have social media. We didn't have email. We didn't have YouTube videos. We didn't have access to a phone that can record a video in 4K. We were using VHS cameras that were bi- as big as like a shoebox, yeah. you know, VHS stuff. And we were editing it themselves. I mean, I had two VHS players and I was using them to edit videos back and forth. Um, 
And then you had to actually physically hand your press pack to a club owner. You could, there was no email. I know it's hard to say. Back in the 90s, there was no email. Yeah. If, if you had a fax machine, that was considered high tech. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I it was a different time. Now it is a it's it's hard now because there are so many people just on YouTube, on TikTok, on Instagram, and you have no idea if they're good or bad because I can edit anybody mm-hmm. in a three minute video to look like a star. Sure. Um, it, it, you know all the gadgets and gizmos that we have at our fingertips now that were considered luxuries you know back in the 90s mm-hmm. so i don't know i mean i'm i'm at the point where i'm like do how much more do i want to compete with uh with these kids coming up because like i guess i'm self-aware i always knew that there was an end date for me i was always aware that at some point you're gonna have to step away i never i always was looked at like athletes and performers like going why are you hanging on you know this is kind of sad it's it's kind of depressing why are you hanging on so I always knew that there was going to become a time where I was going to have to step away and I've been preparing for it for years eventually I, I I can't physically do what I'm doing now my body eventually is going to be like we're done you know we can't you can't do the jumping around. You can't do the straight jacket. Luckily, I've managed to say, stay somewhat in shape and somewhat um, healthy. But I've got a bad hip that's degenerative. That's going to need hip replacement surgery. I've been to the Mayo Clinic and they said the day you retire is the day we're going to replace your hip. Wow. You know, I wear a humongously large knee brace on my right knee when I perform because I've got just horrible uh knee issues in my right knee um but eventually it's going to come like i just can't do this anymore i can't perform anymore and it's going to be harder to step away from the laughter it's going to be easy to step away from all the other nonsense the YouTube videos, the TikTok videos, the constantly trying to produce content for online. Yeah, I'm, that's exhausting. I'm, I'm, I, yeah, I'm, I'm cannot wait for that day where I can step away from that. Yeah. I no longer have to post stuff, you know, three, four times a week just to stay relevant. So, sure. so what is your game plan? I mean, you're obviously you are forward thinking and you are obviously wise what what does that look like for you? I mean, have you, what where are you at in three to five years from now? Well, before COVID hit, my goal is to retire at fifty five. Um, uh, I, my dad, being in the business, always taught me it's show business, and those are two different words. You got to understand the business side of this even more than the show side, because I know a lot of entertainers, a lot of comics who on the show, they're the best. They're, they, they make my mouth, oh, wow. But on the business side, they don't have $300 in their checking account. Mm-hmm. I have, 
I have been investing. I have been, you know, saving. I, I own my own home. Uh, I've got no debt. Uh, so I am preparing for a life that when I am done, I can just fun. I can live a very enjoyable life. I can travel. I can do things. And I don't think I'll quit comedy. I'll probably I'm doing like, you know, 12 to 15 shows a year. Yeah. Um, because there are some clubs that will just want to bring me back. So, but I won't be doing, I mean, 12, 12 to 15 shows a year is probably, you know, my max. Cause I'm doing upwards of a hundred shows now to give an idea of how many shows I'm doing, you know? Um, so, but you know, you get paid a certain amount of money that, that 12 to 15 shows, you know, you can make a, a nice amount of change, but I don't, I can just use that to, you know, go to Australia or something. Sure. And so um, I'm looking forward to just sort of just stepping back, not being so much in front of the camera um, and being on stage. Cause it is exhausting. As you said, it's exhausting. The travel is exhausting. So I'm kind of looking forward to traveling and not having to travel to perform, but travel just to travel and have fun. Enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me, um, I, I still have a few more questions, but let me, this just came to my mind and, and I'm a, um, sometimes things just, I got to say what comes to my mind, but let me, let me, have you ever considered maybe some mentorship or some guidance or some coaching as you I've step done, off the I've, stage? Oh, I've done that. I, I, I've, uh, I've helped a bunch of young comics. Um, when I'm on, st- if, I, if I'm on the road, I see somebody, I, I just look for passion. I've met a bunch of comics that their comedy is kind of on the low end, but their passion is like through the roof. Mm-hmm. And I help those, I help those comics out. There's like three or four comics that I've helped out over the the course of a few years and just help them evolve mm-hmm. and become bigger. And, and hopefully they'll, you know, achieve what they're hoping to achieve out of this business. Yeah. I just think that some of the things that you've said are very niche. I think that, uh, first of all, the business aspect is a huge reminder. It's kind of like people that are in any kind of show business. I know a lot of entertainers like musicians, um, and, and even people like me who, you know, have, have gone through a life and, you know, not, I haven't always made great financial choices, you know, and, and I don't know a lot about, I still am the first to admit, like, I don't, I'm not great with my money. I don't know a lot about, you know, different areas of, of, of savings and et cetera, et cetera. And that's so normal. Um, Mm -hmm. but like for you being an example of somebody who does like that, those are things that you could, that you could teach and train and coach and guide. There is space for that. You know, there are people that could be taught that. And I mean, I'm not suggesting, I'm not at all telling you what to do. I'm just thought, you know, that is an area that might be a great thing for you since you do love what you do. Um, and I think you love comedy in general and love entertainment. Maybe that's maybe coaching, which could, which would certainly uh, not be as physically taxing. That might right. be a really, really cool thing. And there's some cool packaging you could put together for it. So it might be yeah. something to think about, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I've been approached for a couple of things. Um, it's hard to think about any of that right now because I still think I've got about another four years yeah. left. Like I turned 52 in 14 days okay and i'm thinking okay i'm 52 i'm relatively in good shape 
three more years gets me to 55, which was going to be my retirement age. But then COVID happened. So I lost about 18 months of performing. So I could probably go to 56. Um, so it's really hard to think about <laughs> I don't think about your part. exit plan now. <laughs> well, no, I, I mean, I, I, I guess I just don't know exactly how to think about what I want to do next when I'm still really enjoying what I'm doing now. Sure. Because I don't, I, like I said, I, wanted, I don't want to be so far out of the moment. Um, but I'm always planning. Like I said, I always knew that at some time comedy was going to be in. I didn't want to be that 68-year-old comic, you know, doing a bar show for $200. I never wanted to be that. I yeah. never want to be that. I want to leave on something that's like, well, I can be proud of this. I can yes. leave a legacy behind. Um, but I still think that, I mean, I'm still getting calls. I think my phone, yeah, I've got like four messages, you know, uh, of clubs that want me to, to come to their venue and do this, but it's all about right time, right motivation. Is the situation good? You know, I, I keep on turning down work in certain parts of the country because like, listen, I love your venue, but there's not enough money for me to get out there. And, and a lot of comics don't realize that just because you're offered a gig doesn't mean you have to take the gig. It's like, well, why don't you come to Seattle, Washington for $300? I go, okay, let's see. It's going to cost me $600 in flights just to get there. So no, the answer is no. And as some comics don't get that, some comics just don't realize. I go, I got the, I got the gig. I go, you're losing money. You, you would actually make more money if you stayed home and watched TV. You know that, right? And sometimes that thinking, it's hard for people to understand. Yeah. Especially young, eager people, you yeah. know, but I mean, yeah, but I would, I would love at some point, And this has been approached by me of actually running a club, not performing a club, running a club, being the, the face, the, the mate or D when you walk in type thing, hi, welcome to the club, running the show, making sure the sound is right. The lights are right, booking the acts, so that you are booking, I, I, I think I, that'd be something that I would enjoy because I'd still be around it, but I wouldn't have the pressure of actually having to go on stage and tell the jokes. <laughs> sure. And I think you could be really, uh, if you chose to be, I think you would really selective of who you have on the stage. I think that can make or break a venue also. And some people might disagree, but it's the same as, same as music venues, which is just happens to be what I know more about, but I mean, you know, you could own a music venue, and if you're putting crap on stage every night, you're gonna have less and less people at your venue. Yeah, um, 100% and so, right. you know, 100% it's the same right. thing as same yeah. thing with a comedy club. You know, it's what's the experience like? I and we could talk about that off the air, but I mean, it's it, everything is about the experience. You know. Oh so. yeah, it, it 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 the crowds are unforgiving. If they have a bad experience, they may not come back for a year. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, if you, it's like that comic was horrible. If this is what comedy is, I'm not coming back. Sure. Same with music. That band was horrible. That singer was horrible. You know, they were drunk. They weren't professional. They did. They didn't sound good. You know, they, 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 whatever. And they've been going, I'm never coming back to this place again. Right. And that, that is a real problem. That is a real issue yeah. um, in our field of entertainment because in a lot of cha- a lot of times you get one shot you got somebody coming in for their first time if they have a great time they're coming back if they have a bad time they're never they may never come back you can you can have a good time like five times in a row 
and have one bad experience going, I'm never coming back here again. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Just how we're programmed, you know? Hey, so speaking of venues, do you, did you, um, like you've got a really well-oiled machine with, you know, we've talked about the timing and the act one, two, and three. One of the things that I super admired about your set is that you have, first of all, you've got this trigger button, you've got on your, you know, a foot pedal. Um, did you, did you, I'm assuming, have you, did you produce everything like you, you did? So really like you don't even need anybody in the booth, right? Like when yeah. you go to a venue, what do you actually require? And I'm kind of nerding out cause I'm, I've been a DJ need- forever. If uh, all I need is a mic line, XLR, and for the people who are not, don't know what XLR mic line is, it's um, this. This is an XLR mic line. All right, you know what this is. Yeah. You know, um, it's, it plugs into the microphone like this. All right, and the fact that I just haven't had that handy is really funny. Um, I just need that. I need that and a power source so I can plug into a power outlet. The mic line, the XLR line goes to their board, their mixing board, which goes to their sound system. Um, that's all I need because I've got a small mixer on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, everything is controlled by three foot pedals on the stage. The opening um, the opening bit, which you step, step on the stage, you hear like, ladies and gentlemen, you know, America's number one comedy entertainer. It's Mr. Showtime. All I need is for somebody, the MC, to walk on stage, press on the pedal, and then walk off stage. I control everything else um, right there. And I don't have it with me. Um, there's a, there's a, it's almost like when you go to a, a concert and you see the, the band, they list their songs, mm-hmm. their tracks. Liner right? notes or whatever, yeah. Well, or not liner notes, but like a, a song list, list set, list. set list. I've got the same thing. I've got a set list. And there's 99 uh, tracks. So I can decide as I'm on stage, the crowd's not going to like this, but they're going to like this. So I can, I can adjust as, and I just do it off my foot. And, and if I do it well, you don't even see me doing it. You just, I'm just tapping with my foot onto yeah. three different buttons. And uh, it, it's, it's probably the, the thing that set my show on a different path because clubs hate to have to do sound cues for comedians they hate to have to have somebody in the sound booth going okay jimmy track three a little bit more on the high end no a uh, more bass uh way too much echo no br- bring sure. the bring the bring the reverb down. you know they hate that it's a comedy show so i took it out of their hands and i put it all on stage to where i can do it myself yeah i yeah. love that that's why i asked because i i didn't notice anybody in the booth which i pay attention to just because that's my thing right um, i didn't notice anybody in the booth and i noticed that like the levels were all good. So they must, they, I mean, I'm sure you probably do like a quick sound check beforehand for just oh, the yeah. levels where you want oh, them. Yeah. Oh yeah. And your mic, your mic is set. And of course the opener, uh, when he introduces you, he, I actually remember now that you say that I, he did trigger that button and walked off after he introduced you. And then you take it from there. Right. Right. And that and, is so awesome. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I travel with my own sound system. It's at, at my own microphone, my own mic stand, my own mic lines, my own stuff because I know what my stuff sounds like. You know, you go to a comedy club, they can be using a, a $20 microphone that's just nothing but, you know, tinny mm-hmm. or, you know, or one that's been beat up and hit on the ground so many times. Sure. My show is so sound oriented that it's got to sound right. And it's got to sound the same. 
everywhere I go. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah. yes, I, I travel with my own stuff. Very, very cool. And so are you usually doing like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or, or is it, what's generally your, like your week, like it, well, I just got back. I, I just did a Tuesday through Sunday run oh, um, wow. in uh, Newport news, Virginia, you know, I was Tuesday through Sunday. Uh, uh, did DC. Um, that was just a Thursday. Okay. Uh, so it varies. I just, it, it really does. There, there is no more rhyme or reason to comedy since COVID. And I, I hate to bring up COVID so much, so much, COVID has completely changed the business mm. and not for the better. Yeah. Um, there was a time before COVID that I was usually on the road Wednesday. It was either Tuesday through Saturday or Wednesday through Sunday. That was a typical time on the road. Now it's like uh, Friday, Saturday, maybe a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Oh, we got a Sunday. Oh, we got a special event. Like I'm doing one show on Saturday, you know, but I'm getting paid a lot of money for one show. So it makes it worthwhile. Sure. So one show on Saturday, you know, so um, it's kind of all over the map. Like I'm kind of right now booking my shows for the summer where I'm on the road for right now I'm on the road. I've, I've got a four week tour that starts um, July 15th and goes through August 7th as of right now. In all likelihood, there's going to be some more shows added to that. So that's four straight weeks on the road. That's 28 days. And I'll be doing, I'll be doing 23 shows in 28 days. Okay. And that's, that's pretty normal. That's a pretty normal stretch. Okay. And then I'll, and then I'll take a month off and then, okay. I'll, do, and then I'll do it again. So, gotcha. Now do you, that's perfect segue. So do you book your own stuff or do you have somebody you do? I used to have an agent and I realized that I know what I want to do better than an agent. Cause an agent just takes the gig. Sure. Um, I know where I want to go. I'm fortunate that I can now be picky. Mm-hmm. I can pick and choose. I can say no. I can say this isn't right. This isn't working for me. Um, so I have been booking myself. I do all my own social media, my own website. I do it all myself because I just know me better than anybody else. Mm-hmm. I know what I want the image out there. I know what I wanted to say. I know the message that I want people to get when they see a video on YouTube well, they go to my website, they go to my Instagram page, or for some reason, TikTok, which has become my number one social media. Mm. For some reason, I've got over 2 million views on TikTok. It's insane. That's awesome. Um, it's, it's unexpected. Because uh, I've only been off like six months. Wow. And uh, So I know what I want people to do. And, and I've rebranded myself to be now... I call myself very famous, insanely well-known, and quite popular. That's that's the tag. You know, the new T-shirt says, you know, this is this that this little face right there, gotcha. but it says it's Mr. Showtime. Very famous, insanely well-known, quite popular, and that's the image that I want people to associate with me. So every time you see a video, I'm repeating that phrase over and over and over again, so that when people hear, they go, Mr. Showtime. Yep. Mr. Showtime, very famous. Mr. Showtime, insanely well-known. And I actually get a kick out of doing that. That's actually fun for me. That's good. That's great. So, that's such a, that's a great identifier with your branding. I, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I, uh, and, and, and only I know how to do that. I, I can't, 
a marketing, a, a PR firm or a, a manager won't understand it as well as I can understand it and I can sell it better. That's why I just do it all myself. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you don't mind it, if it doesn't, if it's not overwhelming to you, uh, and I'm sure there's days where it might be overwhelming, but yeah. if it's, if it's, if you don't really truly don't mind it, then that's great. I, I know a lot of very, very successful people and I am amazed at how many people want to manage their own social media, you know, because they want to have that physical touch and contact and they want yeah. to, you know, it's when you let go of that, sometimes it's nice for the sake of like time management, but at the same time you lose a lot of, you lose a lot of connection, you know? True. Yeah. So, okay. That. So tell me about like, as soon as I found out you were, you lived in Vegas, my first thought, again, I'll say this like for the last time, I promise before we wrap up entertainment's like my thing. Right. So yeah. when I think Vegas, I think entertainment. So then I think like, okay, like there's so many Vegas gigs and there's carrot top has a residency there. You know, I, I think, I think he does. He's at the Luxor. Um, yeah. And so I think of like, entertainment 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 and and so i think of you as such a, a huge not only are you a, a major entertainer but you're a large entertainer you know you're a loud entertainer so but vegas is just home for you so are you doing vegas or are you tapping into anything in vegas because we haven't talked about it no not not since covid um vegas uh for all its positives it's really struggling right now um the entertainment scene has not come back uh the venues are not at full capacity um the people that are coming to vegas are not coming to see shows um katie perry had a hard time selling out vegas world i don't think she sold out a single show adele just adele canceled kiss adele canceled her residency kiss canceled their residency um the people are not ready to be in that environment yet. Okay. Um, so no, Vegas right now is not doing very well. Um, there are a couple comedy clubs that are are grinding it out, and God bless them. God bless them. Um, but right now, for me, Vegas is just where I go. It's not where I work. So it's, yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it, it's, it's hard to describe. It's like, you know, I, I, I would love to be, to, t- to have a conversation with you in 18 months saying that I am off the road. I'm in Vegas full time. People now got to come to see me. I would love that. I would love to be able to say that. That would be awesome. Mm-hmm. I could do comedy for the next 10 years if I just performed in Vegas and nowhere else. Um, but right now that's just not possible. Not, not in the current climate of, uh, entertainment okay well let me ask you this is there let's let, let's even say pre-covid is there a market for comedy because i will say this i don't think comedy when i think vegas i think entertainment you're, you're i right. don't think comedy well not n- the kind of comedy that worked in vegas is chris rock he's just palace jerry seinfeld seems palace andrew dice clay at the tropicana we're talking uh big megastones. we're talking huge mega stars there'll always be a venue for that um of the big time stars okay. the next level down now nah, they're right. we're getting we're getting squeezed out so gotcha and are there a lot of comedy like i can't i've only been to vegas once but i can't 
I don't, again, I don't think comedy when I think Vegas, but are there comedy clubs? I mean, maybe for the locals, but are there like the strips? Oh, sure. Well, yeah. I mean, you got the LA comedy club, the Strat, you have wise guys, you have Brad Garrett's comedy club. Okay. So Um, there are some. Yeah. 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 The laugh factory. There's, there's four good comedy clubs in Vegas. One's at the Tropicana, one's at New York, New York, one's at, um, at the stratosphere and, uh, and one's at MGM grant. Gotcha. You know, and these and these are good clubs. Um, they're some some are doing better than others, but they're all struggling with COVID. You know, they're all struggling with COVID. And you know, and I think there's also an economic factor. It's like where do people want to spend their money? You know, do I want to spend fifty dollars at a comedy club? Or do I want to spend seventy five dollars to see Chris Rock? Sure. Well, I'm gonna send, I'm probably gonna spend seventy five bucks to see Chris Rock. Yeah. So. All right. Well, and I mean, like you said, 18 months, it may be a different fact, different story. Hope I'm so. Push, I'm going to push yeah. for that for you, you know, if that if that's what works. So that's awesome. And I mean, I could pick your brain and ask questions forever. I, I love it. What, what do you um, what do you feel like if you could just fast forward? We've talked a little bit about what maybe the next three to five years looks like. But, you know, if you could talk about in 10 years from now, you're, you're about to be 52. If you're you're looking at your let's let's say you're rolling into your 60th birthday. Mm-hmm. Where do you want to be? Obviously, vacationing and traveling is something you enjoy, but where do you want to be in life? Like if you closed your eyes for 10 seconds, what is <clears throat> what does 60 years old look like for not just Mr. Showtime, but truly for David Scott? What does 60 years old look like? I just I just hope that I'm uh, healthy. Um, I hope that I'm somewhere where I can wake up every morning. I never want to see snow. Uh, so I want to live somewhere where I'll never see snow. Um, I hope I've got, I hope I'm with somebody that I can have fun with and laugh with. I, I, I want to spend as much time laughing and smiling as I can. I do not want to be sad. I don't want to be depressed. I want, I don't want to be, you know, um, in a place where I am always worried. I'm hoping that I've, I've lived and done everything well enough that I can enjoy the fruits of my labor, I guess, for, for lack of a better term. So I hope I'm someplace where I'm just really just smiling and laughing. Um, I don't think I'll ever be like a hiker. Like I, don't, I was like, oh, I'm gonna be on the side of a mountain climbing. No, I don't see myself doing that. Uh, so, yeah. but I, 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 uh, I, I hope that I'm just someplace where I'm just smiling and cool. feeling good. That's awesome. So, um, you know, I knew this guy when I was like, mm, maybe my freshman year, there was this kid in school. And so when I still to this day, I'm 45 years old. I think when I think of comedy, I think of this kid named Jordan. I don't know anything about him, but I remember his name was Jordan. I remember he did like this stand up talent thing at school. And he was really quiet, kind of like a closed off kid, but he was really funny. And the only way he would ever express himself was with comedy. And I, I really admired it. Uh, I just thought it was awesome, especially as such a quiet kid. Um, and it was like his thing. And I thought that was so cool. And I don't know why I remember that or why I'm even sharing that with you. But my question <laughs> is, what, what would you say? Like, could you inspire somebody? Like, there are definitely people that, you know, I know for me, I go to a comedy show and I leave and I'm like, I think I'm 10 times funnier when I leave. Cause I'm like, so inspired. I'm <laughs> right. like, I'm yeah. hilarious. I remember when I left your show, I got, we got in the, in the Uber and I was like cracking jokes. And Anna's like, you're not funny. I'm like, I'm hilarious. She's like, no, no, no. <laughs> you left hilarious. That wasn't you. That hilarious is at the comedy club. And, uh, but I always joke like that, you know, but 
but like there are people that truly have some talent and that's a scary thing to get on a stage much like music like an open mic night for even for an artist or a musician is is very similar to an open mic night 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 for 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 somebody like you as in comedy so maybe if there's somebody that has a desire what what would you say how could you ins- maybe inspire somebody i would tell anybody if you even have a little bit of desire to get on stage get on stage yeah. get on stage do not wonder what if okay i guess if you know i want to be from 60 i i don't i want to be on stage wondering not wondering what if what if i had done this what if i had tried that what if i had gone there what if i had bought that never wonder what if if you have any inkling if you've got one joke if you've got 30 seconds of material and you want to sell it for the crowd find a venue that has an open mic and get on stage for that 30 seconds and tell that joke there is no better feeling than when you walk off that stage for the very first time. Whether you sucked, whether you were amazing, whether you sang perfectly, whether your uh, voice was cracking, that feeling, you walk off stage, that adrenaline that's going to be pumping through you is going to be like nothing you've ever felt before. You're going to be nervous. You're going to be, you're going to want to poop your pants. You think you're going to throw up your stomachs and knots, but when it's done, you're going to be like going, I want to do it again <laughs> because it's such an amazing feeling. So I encourage everybody, young, old, no matter where you are in your life, no matter what's going on, if you want to get on stage, God, get on stage, tell that joke, sing that song, you know, do the magic trick, whatever you want to do. It's such an amazing rush. And I, and I, want everybody to feel it i am not selfish i do not want to keep this feeling to myself i've been doing this for 29 years for since i was five years old when i walk off stage and the people are standing and screaming and whatever i am on it's an amazing feeling there's no drug in the world that can match that feeling and people walking by after show that I, I hear it all the time and it feels amazing every time i hear it that's the best show I've ever seen. Mm. I, I must have heard that 10,000 times in my life and it never gets old. It mm. never, you never get tired of it. I never get tired of trying to give 120%. So the crowd knows that I left it all on stage, no matter where I was, whether it was Little Rock, Arkansas, whether it was Kenosha, Wisconsin, like Washington, DC, I gave it, I gave you everything I've got. And you telling me that was the best show I've ever seen, the applause, ah, I want everybody to feel that. So yeah. Wow. What an inspiration for somebody that has a desire to do something, something other than the nothing. Right. That's so cool. That's so cool. That's awesome. That fires me up. So last question, and we're going to wrap up and I sure appreciate your time investment today. Last question. What is the greatest moment or accomplishment that you've had in your life as of today? Uh, On or off stage? No, my, my greatest comedy uh, moment uh, is when I set the Guinness World Record for the longest stand-up comedy show in history. I'm, I, I'm, I, we, we, I, I, I guess you didn't know about. It. I set the Guinness World Record for the longest stand-up comedy show in history at 40 hours and eight minutes of straight stand-up comedy. That is my greatest achievement in comedy because nobody else can say it in the world. I'm in the Guinness Book of World Records. Um, um, it's awesome. It's an amazing feeling. 
I'm the only comic in the world that gets that credit. Nobody else can say it. That's my greatest comedy achievement. My offstage, my daughter. My daughter is my greatest achievement because she is amazing. She's an artist. She travels the country doing anime conventions and comic cons, wow. doing her art, um, drawing, and people buy her art. And uh, yeah, she's just she's got more talent than I'll ever have in in my entire life. And watching her, that's my greatest. That's awesome. What's her name? Her name's Andy. Andy, very cool. Uh, David, where can people find you on social media? Is there one spot you like people to land to look for you? Well, yeah. Uh, if you're on TikTok, just hey, uh, that's where I am a lot. It's at it's Mr. Showtime. Okay. I T S M R Showtime. It's Mr. Showtime. Okay. Um, Twitter, it's Mr. Showtime. Uh, Instagram, at it's Mr. Showtime. Facebook, it's all at it's Mr. Mr. Okay. Mr. Showtime. Website, www. It's Mr. Showtime.com. But right. find me on TikTok. I'm, I'm probably on TikTok three or four times a week. Okay, perfect. That sounds great. Well, I'll leave all that in the description, man. It's been a pleasure visiting with you. It's so great to see you live in person. And I'm so glad that I that I asked. I, I, I literally got done with the show and I told Anna, I said, I really want him on the podcast. And so I'm glad <laughs> I I'm glad I got the courage to ask you because I, I this has just been enjoyable. So, you know, listen, I, I would love to stay in touch. I want to follow your career. I want to definitely see you live again when I next time you're around or I mean, I go to all kinds of places. So even if you're within a couple hours, I'm going to get a, a truckload of people together and we'll come see you live somewhere. That'd be awesome. Uh, but I definitely I mean, truly, truly friend to friend. Now I want to stay in touch and follow your career for sure. So absolutely. Um, Hey, and in 18 months, like, well, how about a residency in Vegas? It doesn't matter where at. If you can stay in Vegas and make your career for the next 10 years, let's do it. You know, Yeah, I'm, I'm down. I'm down. That's uh, the dream. All right, brother. Thank you for your time. Have an amazing rest of your day. I'm excited. And thank you for your time. Thank you, my friend. Stay yeah. out of trouble. Yes, you too. <laughs>